Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast space where life feels lighter. You know, sometimes life can have us feeling worn out and weighed down, locked up and left out, or just simply looking for more. And if that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. You can live freed up and not fed up. Well, today's episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Rod. Dr. Rod is a pastoral counselor with years of experience seeing couples and individuals in counseling, and he's been married 40 years to his beautiful bride, Gabi. And today he's going to share with us a spiritual tool and intervention that he uses to help get to healing of trauma. He uses it in premarital counseling and counseling with couples, but it's a tool that can be used for anyone who desires to heal from the trauma in their lives. So listen in as we cover part one on this really important conversation on Heart Talk, Healing Hope for Trauma. Pastor Rod, first of all, I have to just tell you the excitement that I have. We've had a conversation for about 45 minutes before we actually are doing this recording, and I wish the Freed Up family could have heard that conversation, but what I know is that they're going to benefit from the uh, seeds and the harvest of that conversation we just had because you just poured into me uh, Mm. really an answer from God that I've been asking him about the next iteration for my passion um, Mm. to work with Freed Up in a way that people can realize that in an interactive manner. So um, God used you today to get guide me in that. So I want to say thank you in, in front of all of the listeners. Um, thank you for that. And I want the Freedom family to know that you are actually the person that got used to really plant the seed about uh, taking this podcast and putting it into the uh, digital stratosphere. Mm. And um, so I want to, again, just honor God for you. And thank you so much just for your ministry and for your passion for women. Mm. And speaking of that, I would love for you to tell the Freed Up audience a little bit about yourself and about the work that you do, your Mm -hmm. ministry, and then what is it about women that draws your hearts? Well, I, um, you and I met at Concord. I was on staff as a counselor and uh, loved it. 20 years, um, started under Dr. E.K. Bailey, and he saw the work that I was doing in North Dallas, and he asked me would I bring it to Concord. And I had the great joy uh, being underneath him with just one of the greatest privilege. I'm, I'm very proud to call myself a son of Concord. What started me on this journey is my mother was mentally ill and uh, I just sought uh, to win her heart. And I began a heart journey probably at five or six to know her heart. And uh, to uh, it was very important as the oldest child that I keep her happy, that I find out. And then I also remove trouble. And so I began to realize that there was a difference between what she was thinking and who she was. And I saw this beauty inside of her that I never could reach. And I failed. Mm. I failed to save my mother. And the mental illness consumed her uh, to the point to where uh, she tried to take my life. She tried to take her own life. She tried to take one of her brother's life. And um, and uh, and it was sad. It just... Uh, Yet it started me on a journey. It started me on there's something inside of a woman. My friends are saying, yeah, it's her body. No, no, there's something else. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a young lady one time and, and we were becoming friends and she wanted to go more physical with our relationship. And I said, I love you. 
I can't mm-hmm. um, because you had, and I, so I found out later that she'd been molested and she wanted me to fix that. Yeah. And, and being with her wasn't going to fix it. And I could see this. I was, I was 14 years old and I could see that I wanted to keep our relationship. So there's, I've learned something. Then I married Maria Gabriela Cohan. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I call her Gabby for short. And, um, and I wanted to love her. I wanted to love her with all my heart. And I kept making mistakes um, because I, I promised myself as a child, I would never trust a woman. And God brought this beautiful woman that had beautiful heart, tender, patient, kind, the kindest person I've ever met in my whole life. And I was humbled that she chose to love me. I was humbled that God called her into ministry and loving me. And one day we had um, we had a horrible fight. I was wrong. I can say for the first, we've been married 40 years. For the first 30 years of our marriage, if there was a fight, it was my fault. Mm-hmm. One time Andrew said, Dad, you're always wrong. Why don't you just admit it before? You know you're <laughs> going to be. You. I said, really? Okay. Um, and it just was amazing for uh, that. And, and it, so we had this horrible fight. And, and I said some things that really hurt her. And she left the apartment. And she came back in. And she came over to me. And she said, you know what your problem is? Do you know what your problem is? You don't know how much I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just her saying that. Mm-hmm. It was God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those words went into my being. And so I saw this woman that chose love greater than pain. Mm-hmm. You asked me, what have I learned? 15,000 women uh, that, that I've had heart conversations with is that women almost always choose love over pain. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that space is hope. It creates hope. Yeah, yeah. It's created by her being. It's created by the God breath within her. And so I began to see that. I began to apply this. And then all, all of a sudden I had a daughter. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is off. I had a son. I got that. I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy. I can figure the guy things out. But a daughter is like, oh, no. And uh, and again, this long looking in her eyes, hurting her, seeing how sensitive her radar was on. One time I, I made a teasing comment. Uh, about her uh, body. And it was a very light comment. It wasn't super mean, but it was insensitive. And she bawled. And I went, oh my goodness. And I said, oh, and it, it, Tori, uh, my wife said, her radar's on. She's listening to everything that you say for the rest of her life. She will remember every. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I, I don't know if I would have signed up for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just, and so I looked into her eyes and I saw these radars. Dad, who am I? Wake up my femininity, dad. The boys are trying to touch my sexuality. Dad, if you wake up my femininity, my sense of being that comes from my breath, that comes from my heart, then I'll rest and, and they can't mess with me. And so then God sends me to Concord. And all these beautiful women come in and, and I would see again and again that women would choose to forgive. Men wouldn't. Women would choose to forgive and choose to let. And it was like, okay, so it's like, I'm dedicated to this. I'm dedicated that I am a friend of mine asked me, he said, if you could fix one thing that would fix the world. And I said, if women were free to breathe, if women mm. were free to exhale the grief and, and to inhale the joy and to overflow the joy, if we would create spaces as men where our daughters, our mothers, our wives were safe to breathe who they are, we change the world. Wow. 
Um, you know, and I've heard your testimony and a little bit about your journey um, more than once. And every time you share it, it just touches so deeply within because the passion for that awakening the femininity, how rare that is for mm-hmm. a man to see that. And that's a God-given vision and passion that he put inside of you to observe it and to have ministry toward it. Um, We're in this series, of course, we're talking about trauma. Mm -hmm. And I want you to share a little bit about Heart Talk. I had a chance to go through Heart Talk with you. Um, I don't know what happened in that moment. I thought I had gone to heaven and come back. I don't know what happened, but it was Mm -hmm. one of the most powerful experiences spiritually that I had and emotionally that I had had in my entire life. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about heart talk and talk about why that would be important for women who are experiencing trauma, especially as you focus on grief. Mm-hmm. The, w- Tina, women know. So what, what I, when a, a lady comes in, if she comes in by herself, I'm going to have her look at me and I'm going to say, I want you to let me see you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to tell me what you feel. What you feel is important. We're going to talk about that later. I don't want you to tell me what you think. That's important. We're going to talk about that later. I want you to tell me what you know. I'm hurt too much. And I said, that's your problem. You don't know what you know. Hmm. And there is a God breath. There's a being. There's what I call it yada. It's from the Hebrew word where it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. It's a yada. It's a God breath. I breathe in you. I told you I love you. So tell me what you know. Women can tell me, oh, he's going to keep doing it. They can tell me I need to give him a chance. You, They know these things. Mm-hmm. They, it, It's amazing. And so what I've learned to do is when a couple comes in, I have him shut up and I have her be quiet. Don't tell her shut up. Um, and I have them look into each other's eyes and then I have them do what's called heart talk. Mm-hmm. They've been doing head talk. They've been doing soul talk. It has been messing them up. Mm-hmm. And because he's talking from a male brain and she's hearing with female ears into a female and she all she's going to hear, he doesn't love her. And then he's she's going to respond, female brain, female tongue into a male ear, male brain. All he's going to hear, she doesn't respect him. But on a heart level, the, the heart does two things. It breathes grief and joy. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all it does. It breathes. Now, there's love, there's hope, there's all those things. But breathing so when I can get her to be free, uh, to let the grief out, he hears it. Mm. It goes into his being. And you see him, it shakes him. And it's and it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm sorry for. I'm sorry for that grief. And then she goes, oh, wow, he can see me. Mm-hmm. He can, and then there's an education that begins to happen on a spiritual level, a, a spiritual deeper than the subconscious. And pain gets exposed. And then he can look and he can see this scar that's on her being. And then she can see. And then what I begin to realize, high performance people don't know how to talk at this level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so then when they begin to have this heart talk, mm-hmm. and, and I create a great atmosphere that helps that, that to happen, then she begins to realize this is who I am. I like who I am. Yeah, And then she begins to deal with the shame. She begins to deal with pain association with events from the past. She begins to forgive him. And then she begins to say, okay, now I'm open to reconciling. Reconciling is going to happen on a heart level if you own the scar that you did. And what the Holy Spirit does, has he, has he forgives himself, has she forgives, the Holy Spirit takes that scar and puts it on his heart. Now, once that scar is there, he'll never fully understand with his mind. His heart feels it. Now her heart 
becomes one with his. Mm-hmm. Before there was a scar on her and not on him. They can't reconcile. Now when the, they do like this, now her mind still may not like him. He may not get any candy in the bedroom at all, but but they have reconciled. Eventually her heart's going to take over her mind. It's going to take over her feelings and they're going to be able to work through the issues as he continues to own the scar, but he never understand. Mm. You know, uh, the the power in that is of course the atmosphere that you set mm. up for that to happen. And I would imagine that this connection through the spiritual first that unlocks the opportunity for this additional healing. I would imagine that that is um, such a a powerful awakening Mm, for those that you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pastor Rod, you know, thinking about women and the experiences that many of them have had. And certainly I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about men in a second, but I want to stay zeroed in on, on women. Um, We talked about grief here on Freed Up before, and I've shared the visual that you shared with me about grief being the circle and having to come out of the sorrow and go through the mourning process. I know this is an area that you dive into um, particularly with women, and you talked about all of those that pain and those losses, and how women experience that differently. Obviously, mm-hmm. clearly, for so many different reasons than men do. Can you talk a little bit about the grief journey and what about trauma creates that grief, and mm-hmm. what do we do about it? Right. So, what happens is when I get hurt, I go into the first stage of grief, which is shock. And just picture a ride at Six Flags where you go upside down and you're nauseated. And then when your brain realizes all my organs are still functioning, I still got five fingers, five toes, the brain releases you and the dimmer light comes back on. The dimmer switch had shut it off. Now the the lights come back on. The dimmer switch turns it back on and you go into the second stage. And that's where you begin to think and process through. And if the pain's too high, we shut it down. Mm -hmm. Then we hide it. And we say, I got to stuff this. I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to deal with the kids. I got to deal with that. Uh, I'm going to stuff this. If I'm 12 years old, if I'm eight years old and I don't have a safe place to exhale, I hold my breath and I start to swallow it. And I lose part of my femininity to stay alive. Mm-hmm. When really I become a walking zombie woman yeah. because part of my femininity is hid. And it's just too much pain to process, especially if you're a child, especially if you're a youth and you don't have a safe place, especially if it's happened to you before. And so you got packing pain. So you pack it down in and now you move ahead, but you move ahead with less personality. You move ahead with less femininity and and you adapt and that trauma. So what we want you to do, uh, just simply breathe, just uh, get it out. Verbal noise. Uh, A lot of times, a lot of people get healed right there. The Mm -hmm. fact that they can, and then they just cry and it's like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. Um, And then they finish that cycle where the brain says, I can't help. I can't help here. There's too much. I can't fix this. I can't. And the feelings say, oh, it's tearing me up. And then finally the will says, okay, heart, here it goes. Uh, here's your, here it is. You get it. Well, the heart is not focused on the event. It's not focused on the pat, past. It's focused on the, on the relationship. Mm-hmm. What you did to me as a friend, what you did to me as a spouse, what you did, I loved you. My heart was open to you. You betrayed me. And sometimes the pain gets so intense that you stop and you actually go backwards into shock. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is why it's good to be, have friends. It's good to have people that know your being and you can trust them when you're hurting so bad. Cause at this point, what somebody needs to sit next to you and do nothing, 
They need to cry with you. They need to make sure you're eating right. They make sure you're sleeping right. They can care of yourself right. Uh, they need to mow your yard if you need it mowed. But you, you need to have friends, but you don't need to have psychotherapists as friends. Um, because <laughs> that now, now that's it's great to have, but a lot of times me as a pastoral counselor, uh, LPCs, licensed counselors, uh, psychiatrists can be your worst type of friends because they're trying to fix you rather than be with you. Okay, so guilty as charged, hand is up. I'm I'm here. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, okay, what is my role? In my therapist role or my friend role? <laughs> exactly. And then you, we have to make that decision because sometimes I can't be your therapist because we're too close. And I need the freedom to be able to just sit with you and cry. I just mm-hmm. need to I just need to cry. I just you need somebody to cry with you. Sometimes you need somebody to cry for you. Somebody you need sometimes you need somebody to laugh with you. Uh, drink with you, uh, whatever it is, you know, uh, it, it's, and I'm not saying drinking in the way of getting drunk. I'm saying I need somebody to drink Kool-Aid with me. I need somebody to drink a Coke and sometimes a glass of wine. Yes. Sometimes, a lot of times a glass of wine. Yeah. Glass red, of wine. by the way, red. Red, <laughs> right. There you go. Okay. Everybody remember that. So you, you need someone to sit with you and then it, you, you're, you're going to go back through because your heart wants to grieve. Your heart, because of love, is greater than the pain. You're going to embrace this and your heart's going to go through father and then it's going to go back a little bit and then father and then fine. And then you're going to go into the last stage. And this is where you, there's a sense, I can't explain this, a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. I can't explain it. I helped a young lady, she, her baby, she was nine months pregnant and she lost the baby. She felt the baby leave. And uh, they took her to the emergency room. They delivered the baby. Sure enough, the baby was gone. No cord. They don't know why. And um, and I, I told her, I said, listen, as your pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something I don't have any right to do. I can only do it because I, Christ wants me to say this, that you have a peace. Mm-hmm. And if you can be quiet, and if you can be still, and if you can rest in his love, you'll sense the peace. If you go looking for peace, you're going to find a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. You're going to look for peace of mind, peace of feelings, and, and Satan or the world is going to offer it, and it's going to destroy you. It's going to damage you. Mm-hmm. And so what I want you to do is to be able to rest, and what happens is this strange peace that takes over. And then the other thing, I cannot explain this, cannot explain this, a joy. A joy. And sometimes I'll ask the young lady, I'll just say, I want you to release the joy. What do you mean? I want you to release the laughter. Ha, 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 ha. And she starts laughing. And she's and, and and so her brain says, "What is going on?" So apparently something fun. All right, let's release endomorphins. Let's release serotonin. Let's we're having a good old time. Let's let's release it. And the chemistry of her brain is not not working against her; it's working for her. Mm-hmm. And the brain gets a relief. And the, and the brain said, "Well, it's a lie. I don't believe it." And I said, "No, there's joy in your heart." Yeah. And that joy is eventually going to overtake you. That joy, Jesus endured the pain of the cross for the sake of the joy. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The joy is you and me. He gets to have us. We get to be free in the, in the kingdom. And he, for the joy of that, of seeing the Father, us with the, his Father, of him being able to hold us unconditionally, he, he endured all the stuff he had to go through in the valley because of the mountain that was set before him. And so pretty soon then she begins to get confident about grief. She begins to say, I, 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 and so she begins to, instead of hide and, 
and suppressed, she begins to look forward to grief. She looks forward to grief in her friends. Man, joy's coming. It always comes. Psalm 126 says, those who sow their tears in grief reap sheaves of joy. Yeah. No, you, you, this is so, so very good. Wow. So much to take in. Dr. Rod always takes us deeper than we might be ready to go. So I have to sit some time with what's been shared and just really let it settle into my heart and my spirit. And I encourage you to sit down and write out those things and those takeaways that stood out to you so that as you are on your healing journey, you can incorporate some of these tools into your places of healing from grief and from trauma. Be sure you get back for part two of this conversation. I promise you on this back end, you definitely don't want to miss the last part. As always, you know that you're not walking this journey alone. I and our freed up friends are walking right alongside you. Always remember, God loves you. I love you and make sure you take care of you.